Welcome to Sketch Magazine Podcast, hosted by Bill Nichols, Senior Editor of Sketch Magazine, John Wilson, Editor of Sketch Daily over at ComicRelated.com, and myself, Robert W. Hickey, Publisher of Sketch Magazine and Co-Founder of Blue Line. Come back after the music and find out what we have to offer in this episode. Hey, what's up, creators? This is John, and you have once again found the Sketch Magazine podcast. I am pleased to be here, as always, with sketch editor Bill Nichols, sketch publisher Bob Hickey, and we are going to talk about bringing back that old idea and freshening it up for the future. But as always, the first thing, how are you tonight, guys? Fine, John. This is Bill, if they didn't know. As if they didn't know. They recognize, recognize that voice. Hey, John. It's good, bud. This is Bob. The velvet voice of Mr. Bill Nichols. Yes. But um, one of the reasons why we are bringing this idea up, they have just recently resurrected that old 80s hit, The Thundercats, and started it anew on the Cartoon Network, apparently with uh, all new origins, all new setups, and everything else. Um, I didn't get a chance to see it, but um, I believe one or both of you might have. Yeah, I saw part of it. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. I had that sort of, well, actually, I mean, it just went off 40 minutes ago, so I held this podcast up. But I had promised my youngest we'd watch it, and uh, I saw the commercial earlier, and he reminded me. So uh, we watched it, and not being... A Thundercat geek, and but I only saw a few episodes. I didn't realize there was not an origin really for it. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, I have a vague recollection of Thundercats, but my recollection is they were already a team. They were already right. at whatever place they were at, you right. know, from right off the bat. So, well, yeah, I think I, from what I saw, they, when they showed some of the episodes last week. They were just sort of dropped into the middle of the story. Right. You know, there was already a fate accomplished where it's they were already together. Right. And there wasn't a lot of the mythos that this thing had tonight. Yeah. So. Well, look at you using Latin. That was impressive. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it was cool because I'm sitting here watching this. I'm thinking, wow. To they went back and the, you know these guys probably tore apart the original episodes. I thought, how can we create a new a beginning? Now, I wouldn't say it was a new beginning, because to me, it built those characters for me. I mean, I've got I'm going to TiVo that sucker every week now. You know, I thought the animation was very tight, the story was very 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 good. You know, the voices, everything. I thought, wow. And I'm sure there's going to be diehard Thundercat fans says, oh, you don't know what he's talking about. You know what? They are talking to you. Because if they wasn't, they wouldn't have done such a great job with putting this together. But they're also talking to that 10-year-old in another room right here, too. And he, who, from the beginning, goes, who's that? What are they? To going, are we taping this? Can I watch it again? Can we, you know what I mean? It, they nailed yeah. him. They nailed him with it. And the whole, the the young uh, Lionel, is that his name? Lionel? Lion O, Lion O, uh-huh. yeah, stepping up and taking on the mantle, you know, uh, yeah, they nailed it. It was good. I'm uh, I'm kind of, I mean, this sounds, you know, like I said, I didn't see it, but it does sound like they're playing this relatively seriously. Now, a lot of the '80s, uh, you know, rehashes, uh, you know, the Smurfs spring to mind because I just saw a commercial a while ago. Uh, you know, they're doing for laughs. Right. You know, they they usually resurrect stuff for laughs. But this sounds like they're they're going pretty straight with this. What? Uh, why do you think they took that approach instead of, uh, you know, going for campy or corny? Like, uh, I also just remember seeing the Masters of the Universe movie yeah. mm-hmm. recently, you know, and it was pretty corny. So. Yeah, I, th- I think that. Well, I'm watching things with my son Alexander, 
you could have a, a, a very serious treatment. Well, I think of what brought it up with us was um, Herbie, the little robot in Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah, true. And discussing that. Uh, and part of that was the substitution for the Human Torch. And But there there was a trend, and, and there can be um, still to this day. It's almost like comic relief, like Orko in Master of the Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- was it S- Snarf? The Snarf. little cat thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Snarf. Uh, Snarf, yeah. Uh, that comic relief to take the edge off the other stuff. As It's almost as if uh, they don't want to heavy down the story or the the series or whatever for kids in a way, but give them something to... Uh, you know, to laugh at, to, right. uh, and sometimes it seems, it seems to me to be a cop out to me. It can be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, t- because it's 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 almost as if you don't trust your audience to be, quote unquote, adult enough to understand that there are, are higher things, uh, just like we saw in this one in the, this new uh, redo of Thundercats, whether it's it was a little more serious and you know the death of his father, which I don't remember from. You know, before. No. Uh, I never watched the original, other than maybe a few reruns here and there with my brother. Um, but you have to, again, you have to, um, I guess, trust your your audience in a way, or trust your property, trust your story, your characters. And and um, I I thought that if this was had been the um, what had been shown earlier, like twenty. 30 years ago, whatever it was, mm-hmm. I would have um, better memories, maybe. And I would, I probably would have well, I th- actually watched it. I think Thundercats was a very serious show, but it just took place, the whole team was together, and the adventures already began. Yeah. So you sort of had to jump in there and follow it and figure out, you know, the, why the lizards had technology and Mambra, why he'd want the sword and everything. So I think it's pretty brave of Cartoon Network to go, why don't we show this? Because, John, at the end of this hour episodes, only three of the mm-hmm. members are together. Really? Well, Snarf, if you want to call him. But, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Chitara, Lino, and his brother. Uh, so they're kind of building so, it. Um, I'm they, trying to think they've of introduced the two kids, the two young ones. Yeah. They've introduced uh-huh. them sort of as a street urchin, thieves, not really thieves, but I think they're going to be part of the comedy relief, too. And they introduced the concept of Panthro, but supposedly he's dead. So it's cool, you know, as knowing the past, you know, if they hold true to most of this, as they have, they're going to introduce these and bring this together and build this team. And it's it's pretty brave to me that for, for Cartoon Network to say, let's go do a prequel to what the series was. Let's go tell their origins. And, you know, they might take all season to show how the whole team forms. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's brave. I think it's a cool concept. Um, I think it's better than what DC's getting ready to do with their 52-issue number ones, I'd say, but um, this don't go there yet. Uh, but I, I think it's, it's, it's going to hook this audience that is there nowadays that wants smart, intellectual, but entertaining stories. And this one, you know, they showed how the Thundercats was dominant. They were the power. And very quickly, they were taken down by technology. So it was very, very cool how they put it all together. So uh, to me, big pluses. And uh, I'll be watching it next week. Do you think it uh, kind of falls under that thing? And maybe the higher level of sophistication of today's audience, or is that is that kind of an old cop-out as well? Yeah, I, I think you've got to write towards what the audience that you want to sell to, and that's what they're doing, they're selling to them. They say, we're going to see the, the toys, the the books, the you know the DVDs. The Cartoon Network is, is wonderful at marketing and hyping and branding. So they're definitely reaching out to an audience. They, they I think what they did, as they said, here's a property, and I don't know if they acquired it from whoever had it. It was Hanna-Barbera or whoever. But mm. they they said, okay, we could continue these adventures, or 
you know what? There's nothing here to say how this began. So let's start it, and then we can just move right into adventures and continue as this. I mean, Cartoons Network's great at, you know, making three, four, five seasons out of that or more. Mm -hmm. So the artwork was, I thought, was great. The only thing I have trouble with is when they use the 3D modeling on those giant bot things. Right. And they fit it within 2D animation. I, t I hate that. Make it 2D like everything else. I, they just throw it in there and you have these big 3D bots walking across a 2D scene. I'm like, that just, uh, I, I don't yeah, like it's, it. It's, it. It stands out. Yeah. It's like um, it's like bad green screening in a way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, They've got to dumb that I, down. If they're going to do it, they got to dumb that down to fit within a 2D panel. Uh, make it all even. Yes, it just stands out too much. I know it's quicker for them. That's fine, but uh, I just I don't like the way that looked at all. Anyway, that was, yeah. well, uh, a lot of a lot of animation things do that anymore. I know. So. But all in all, I think it's very brave, and I think it's very cool that you can do that. They've gone back and taken that approach, giving a whole origin concept and building the whole team together. So big pluses. Um, but you can do that with anything. I mean. I mentioned DC earlier. I'm not too sure how this whole DC thing is going to pan out. You know, supposedly they're retelling Superman's origin, but yet most things that happened to Batman did happen, which doesn't make sense that there's only a five-year gap. So I, you know, it's just they're they're causing, they're wanting big sales. I know, and I know. Uh, Warner Brothers is out there. They realize they have a publishing company now that do comics. And they're pushing, pushing, pushing. And they want to be number one. But I think this is nuts. I really do. Um, I don't see it lasting. There's no way in heck. Because um, the Superman... Okay, Gary M. Morrison. God. Um, <laughs> I just don't see it. I don't see how the heck they can pull this off. It's already contrafluid. It's already so hard to understand, and they're not even coming out yet. Right. You know, they've already said no. This happened, but then this, and most of Batman stuff is intact. And yes, Batgirl's back was broken, but then it was fixed, and now she's Batgirl again. And you're going, okay, was it the Joker who now you're saying Batman was an urban legend? So then the Joker must be an urban legend. So why did he go after Barbara? There's just two, you know, and I'm sure powers to be would go, and you're overthinking it. And they're right. I'm going to give a lot of it a, a try. But I don't think you got to go to those extremes to, to, to get to sales. I mean, maybe they need to look at their own DC Online stuff. What they did with that looks awesome. Going mm -hmm. to a future, a dark future... Where the villains are winning, you know, and I, I'm I'm not wild about the DC Online comic book. I think you could do a whole lot more better with that, expanding that out. But that's just my ideas, you know. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, uh, Clay wants to read the New Justice League, so but he doesn't understand why Cyborg's on the New Justice League. So we'll we'll see. And he's worried about I'm they're going to screw up Green Lantern. You know, he's a big Green Lantern fan now. Since yeah. Black as Night. He goes, what are they going to do with him? I said, well, it looks like Sinestro's the lead. He goes, oh, no way. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm still holding out it's a different Earth. I think it's going to be a parallel Earth. Yeah, it's one of the 52 Earths that came out of, you know, well, all the recent uh, things. It's going to come out of Flashpoint. Yeah. But hopefully our Earth that has a thousand issues of action or whatever is still hanging out there right. waiting for us to come back. I think they've all but said that it's another they you know, they stopped short of actually saying, Oh yeah, this is Earth like 
73 or whatever. You know, whatever one it was. I know that right. that's obviously above 50, but, you know. Earth 53. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ooh, that was dark. That was pretty good, Bill. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah. You should do voice work. Yeah. But anyway, um, um, no, but I'm pretty sure it's got to be one that they didn't I agree. name when they put out that list. Right, they didn't name all 50, so. Right. Um, this brings up another thing, and this is... You know, I know it's supposed to be a how-to podcast and whatever. Yes. And we, we talk about giving origins to stories that you currently don't have, which, you know, I've always tried to create books with an origin. And I've just created a new character that you and I, and we've all spoken about a little bit that is like a new superhero book for me. And um, I researched the name, and uh, I sort of wrote the origin this weekend, which was great. It just sort of hit me, and I had to start writing as soon as I could. Um but what, what comes back around, somebody brought up on one of the boards is, is there a reason to do more than 12 issues of a book? Do you continue to renumber number ones? And I thought that was an interesting question. With the way the market is built around graphic novel collections and with everything being released, is there a reason to do more than 12 issues of Superman and then start it back over with a new number one? And this is Superman... Um, with the blue cape or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? In this market, is there a reason to continue? A, will there ever be another action? Which I don't think there will. Um, they go so many titles. I mean, right now, almost every title gets rebuilt. But should it all go towards that six-issue, 12-issue stories and constantly relaunch with subtitles? What do you guys think? Do you care? Is there a reason? I don't know. I think that it's part of it is is um, that whole bite-sized chunks sort of philosophy, where whether that's a story or a story arc, and you're, you're going to have people who are sort of completist who would rather have that sequential numbering numbering system, mm-hmm. and. Uh, because when you do break off into miniseries or you know things that you can collect into a graphic novel, your entire um, if you if you are somebody who is trying to get into those books, if you're not careful, you can pick up say the maybe not the last thing but the next to last thing and be lost when you should have picked up like three story uh, arcs ago. Right. That sets this thing up, and you, just like Green Lantern and some other things, where you have these mega stories, if you don't get some of the backstory, sometimes you it takes you you can you can flounder just for a little bit until you get your feet, you know, until you can get some sort of history or some back history or backstory of what's going on that has set this up. So because especially if it's a character that's been long established, mm-hmm. and then you know, it's totally different from, you know, for example, these 52 issues or whatever. If someone a year from now picks up some of those books and goes, yeah, you know, I used to read those books when I was like, oh, my God, what's going on? Right. You know, and that's they're going to lose some people. Right. There will there, there will be, you know, that person may because when I had a comic book store, I had a guy who who had not he came in. He hadn't collected comic books in like seven years. And he he missed the entire crisis thing. He didn't know about you know Flash and Supergirl, and um, his mind was just reeling. But I mean, fortunately, he had me to to fill in the you know the you know the cracks and the blanks and spackle, mm-hmm. so that the transition was not as uh, bad as it as it was. But um, and he became a good customer once he's like um because he was he was seriously considering not pursuing. Uh, getting back into it, right. and um, that you know that that's a real thing because it shakes up your reality, and you know it can be, even if it's Spider-Man, with um, you know he he and Mary Jane are married, they're not married, uh, they never dated, you know now it's Gwen Stacy, and uh, he's in the Avengers, and it's in the Fantastic Four. Well, see, that's what they're going to do with Superman. Yeah. Him and Lois yeah. aren't married. Actually, Lois right. has a different bow, you know. It's like, 
Why? I saw that on Comic Related, by the way, John. So thank you. Good job, John, and Comic Related. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, I understand jazz and changing things up, um, but I really, really wonder that you throw your whole line at this time in the industry. Do you throw your whole line into a fizzy to see what sticks? Because that's what they're doing. I'm taking the opportunity to drop many titles. I will sample a few different ones. Um, I, I we'll see. I just I, but let's get back to you're talking about jumping in the middle of a storyline. Do you think then stories the books should be having two numbering system? They should have an ongoing numbering system and then a a, a storyline numbering system. I, I does can, it matter? I well, I mean, I can see that. Uh-huh. Um, it seems like there was something, and it may have been an independent somewhere, but I can't remember. But it seems like there was a uh, a chronology of some book, and maybe somebody who listens to this podcast can write us and let us know. Um, or maybe it's just a figment of my imagination because I think of stuff like this. That that there was a uh, a numbering system, so that even if, even if it fell out of you know into a um, a miniseries format or whatever, it still numbered into a regular book. Right. And again, I I don't know. I've got my whole fifty years almost. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, I wouldn't go in there. I know, I know, but it was hanging there. Like a dandelion right. seed, just waiting to be picked up by the wind. Yeah, oh you're God. the one posted on Facebook. Wow, yeah, Latin and analogies. This is an interesting evening. Hey, <laughs> you know. Okay, so you think it's possible? Do you see a reason for it? I mean, it's get real, and I know I'm the one who brings up digital, but I'm also the one who wants to see cont- comics continue. And evidently, DC Comics wants it continue. They just want to overcharge us. Um, I had to throw that out there. Um, I don't know. And I'm playing, you know, we're getting ready to relaunch. Um, and I'm wondering if we should renumber everything from one through as many issues, adding the new stuff in. Should we subtitle and subnumber the storylines? You know, we have uh, three miniseries of Blood and Roses, I think. Three or four, along with the ongoing, which went to only a few issues. Um, should we just renumber those one through 10, 12, 15, and then subnumber the different things that go together? You know what I mean? So I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, I mean, I wouldn't. I, I, have, I have a thing about history, and okay. I don't think that a lot of times there are times when you want to forget your history, mm-hmm. um, especially if you you know you botched it. But in cases like where you've established a, uh, characters, a, a property, whatever you want to call it, um, could, because some people it just boils down to, yeah, you know, characters and stuff. Okay. But it, it's more a- a- antiseptic, I guess. But there, you establish this stuff, and it gives a sense of history. And I don't think we should forget our history, whether it's comics or whether it's, you know, in general. You know, and because there are a lot of things that are um, that are forgotten, and and again with say Blood and Roses, oh. people may go back and pick up those earlier stories to have that sense of history to be part of you know the the yeah you know, the movement right. or what you know. Well, as a strictly a programmer look of it, which I I try to look at, I like to keep things chronicle in order. You know, top to bottom, and and you read the storyline flowing. The benefits of doing that would be, say, you know, the first issue is zero 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 one, right, or zero zero one. Um, but then, say, issue twenty would be zero twenty dash one. Search for the time stone. Mm-hmm. The next issue would follow down would be zero twenty one dash 02 search for the time stone. You see what I mean? 
it would help categorize and physically see those issues that you want to read. So would it actually help keep the chronicle order? Hmm, that's interesting. Need to think that through. Uh, and you want to think that through. You don't want to have three number ones battling. You don't want um, Blood right. and Roses one, um, Search of Timestone, Blood and Roses one, you know, Death of Time Lord, Blood and Roses one, da da. And then all of a sudden, Blood and Roses two, Search for Timestone. Well, you want ones and twos together. You see what I mean? So this, and you got to keep, you don't get to see the whole titles on most menus where you visit them. A lot of the readers, you don't, you only see a, a snippet. So you would want BNR, you know, 001-whatever, 002-whatever. That way, right off the bat, you know, you read them in chronicle order. So, hmm, it's interesting. Um, it's something to think about, how the name and title and number of your books, because, yeah, I'm, I'm not joking, this digital age is going to, it's going to go nuts next year when more of these affordable readers come out, and we get more apps for the readers that are out there, um, it's going to get crazy, which is great for us, it's going to continue comics, it's going to continue to push comics, um, it's going to continue to deliver comics to um, new readers. So right. um, I just truly believe DC's nuts if they think they're going to charge two ninety nine for a digital release just because it's coming out the same day as the print release. That's just me. Oh. Well, you know, and I think partially, um, you know, the constant renumbering of things, mm -hmm. you're insulting your readership a little bit. Um, you know. With Bill's, uh, with Bill's customer notwithstanding, mm -hmm. most people that have been in comics for a while, they know. But they know that you're doing, you know, that this has changed or that has changed. I think what you got to look at, John, and we all got to look at, is not the standard comic reader. What we're hoping for the future is bringing in new people. Bringing in new readers, getting people to try this medium for the first time, or bringing them back from when they were a kid back into this medium to hopefully then share with their kids or grandkids or whatever. So what we got to do is make sure we set this up so digitally or in print, it's easy for them to dive back and know they're not buying an issue three of a book when they want an issue one. Right. I think it can story. be done, though. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. so. No, I I, I agree with what you're saying. I just think it can be done without everything having to be a new number one. I agree. Uh, number, you know, number one doesn't necessarily have to denote paradigm change. Now, this mess they're doing at DC, mm -hmm. absolutely. Call that a number one so we can go, okay, you see this little section right here? Forget that ever happened. Mm -hmm. You know, but uh, like under normal circumstances... If it continues as part of a story arc that flows normally and naturally, mm -hmm. I think it's uh, a little ridiculous to keep, you know, uh, to go 12 issues and then suddenly have a new number one. Now, if it's a self-contained story, yeah. You know, like Lock and Key, the way Lock and Key does. Right, or, right. You know, some of those things. Like if it's a self-contained story, that's its own little baby, fine. You know, new but new uh, miniseries, new number one. I still think you could continue a history numbering system because it does show history. Somebody yeah. who stumbles across the third miniseries of Locky Key and they pick it up, they might think that was the beginning of it. They wouldn't understand mm -hmm. that there was two miniseries before that. Right. So I really think yeah. it's it's important to keep a history numbering system. And well, I've never done it, so this is something new to me, and I think it's but really, the more we discuss it here, the more I think it's important for us to do that because we are looking at the, bringing in these new readers and, and fans and trying to get them introduced. We want them to jump in at the beginning of a story. I mean, they don't have to read the first issue. If they see an artist they like who's did a you know the third miniseries or something, they just, but you want them to get that first issue of that miniseries, you know? So I think... And, but that also lets them know, hey, there was stuff prior to that. Once you get into that artist or you get into the characters, you might want to read this artist who did that. So, Yeah, I think something we got away from uh, as an industry that we really need to get back to to help the new reader is kind of the recap. 
you know. Um, um, see, there's a couple books out there that's doing that. Is it the X titles or? Is it? I haven't read an X title in a long time. I, I tell right? you, I've been blasting through my books lately. I haven't been. I've been working so much on our own stuff that uh, my reading of other people's stuff. I can't. I, I, Years ago, I read how George Presno's guys only read like one or two books. I'm like, oh, there ain't no way, man. I always read a bunch of comics. <laughs> well, since yeah. I sold the store last year, my d- title list have been dwindling down. I just so, haven't had time myself. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I know it used to happen all the time. Yeah, I think I think it is important because at any point in time, you could be introducing this book to a new reader, and I think you could break it down to almost a page. You know, catch up. Here's where we are. Who this is? Who they are? Boom. Yeah. Throw them into the story. But yeah, I agree. I think uh, something like that would be important. We never did quite get around to telling people how to do this thing that we're talking about, though. How do you refresh your old? your old stories and make it relevant for today. Well, you have to understand that, that, um, I mean, you can be, I, I mean, we've, we've seen people locked into, um, characters or stories and not be willing to change that they are, con- they're still tied into the, the, the con- same concepts and precepts that they had say 20, 30 years ago, whatever, when they, you know, maybe started out as a fan thing or, you know, their first issues or whatever, <clears throat> or, and that, and that's not just in comics, but prose and some other things, but characters just as you as a creator uh, have lived. So do characters and characters grow. Uh, if you're a creator who's been doing it for a while, your sense of your craft or your sense of your, uh, your own story your own personal backstory, all that stuff evolves as, um, as, as a creator and as a person. And those influences come about through your work as well. And sometimes you have to take a break and look at your own history. Maybe you look back at the first issues and cause I think if you're, if you are, especially if you are doing things and you look back at something you did six months ago and, maybe inked and go, you know what? That's kind of, uh, that's not crap, but I'm not there yet. Or I wasn't there six months. I'm farther along than I was six months ago or six years ago or, or whatever. Um, by, by looking back at, at your own history and, and not be so tied into, um, I don't know, locked into, I guess, really into a, a a formula that you have, um, what am I trying to say here? I I don't think you have to be, I think you sort of, sometimes you have to step back and take a break from it and then look, it's like, it's like, uh, okay. So have you ever gone through your own town and looked at the, you just take things for granted. You've seen this, the same streets time and time again, but occasionally, you can look at the same streets with almost new eyes. And I use this in my work sometimes. You ha- you can see things day by day, day after day, week after week, and just sort of take it for granted. Take it that that's the way it is, that's the way it, it, it it's going to be. But sometimes you have to look at something as if it was brand new. I mean, if you're taking a walk around your neighborhood, look at the house down the street as if that's the very first time you've been on that street. And sometimes you have to look at your creative stuff that way too, and it sort of shakes you up. And it doesn't mean you have to totally break from it, but you can, again, uh, sort of evolve from it. And maybe if you have been locked into something, because sometimes that makes it a little tired for people who who have been on that journey with you, like, oh, golly, you know, when's the story really going to... There's some series of books I read when I was a kid that it just seems like it took forever, you know, I, but I read a lot of stuff. So, um, I mean, you're telling me you I, read books without pictures. <laughs> Wait, there are books. You know without what? Pictures? I, I still, I still do <laughs> what? occasionally. What? 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're actual uh, books, you know. <laughs> there are no such no, you're lying. Oh gosh. <laughs> I go to this, that up. I go to this new thing called the the library. Hey, the library Mike just gave me and, and and the Barnes and Noble. I go to there. It's a it's a new place. Mike know. just gave me the uh, latest George R. R. Martin's A Dance with Dragons book. It's over a thousand pages. I'm looking at this thing going, Yeah. All right. <laughs> Like, we're sure. going on vacation to Florida here in a week for 10 days. I'm like, Kate's not going to see me. <laughs> My nose is going to be in this book. But like, back to what Bill was saying. It, doesn't it help that you allow your characters to grow with the experiences that you're writing them into? And that should help move your story and modify your story and advance things? Do you see what I what I mean? Um, you know, if a character you're writing sees a death or causes a death or kills somebody, then it needs to, you need to allow it to affect that character in the way that character handled it. It wouldn't right. be the same character after that. And, you know, it needs to have relevance. Exactly. And that's what we try to do with Blood and Roses. You know, as the story moves along, things reflect and play upon them. And you can always fall back to to you know a little bit sometimes but to help it, it helps write the stories for you if you allow the characters to experience the adventures and you know it's going to change them um one thing we talked about earlier is I'm, I'm writing a new character and the problem was this character is very much coming off like a batman okay um, that's what I was wanting for. I was wanting this darker, moodier type character, but he kept coming off Batman. I've been working on it for months. It finally hit me what I wanted to do with it. And I know even though at the moment I'm putting down the details, it still has that, that dark Batman feel. I know as this story advances and this character starts experiences the adventures and stuff, it's going to mold into its own thing. It's not going to be a Batman book, you know what I mean? Um, one is going to interact with the other characters. They storm quest and blood roses and darkness chronicles. So all this is going to add experiences, and this character will start writing and fitting into its own mold and creating its own little look and feel to it. Um, and I, I know I talked about these things as live, but truthfully, I've always said blood and roses write yourself. I throw them into the mess. I know how they would handle a situation. They write the story to get themselves out of it for me, you know? Um, mm -hmm. To me, that's fun. And when it doesn't click, it doesn't work, then there's something wrong, you know? And it's usually with me, not not with, with the, the character and stuff. It's like uh, just not thinking it through how they would handle it. At least that's the way I feel. And I feel like people, that way the characters advance themselves. They move along. Um, the story continues to advance and, and the reader enjoys, hopefully enjoys what we're offering them. So have you guys ever experienced that where you really want to do a book, but you feel like it's take off on somewhere else? Um, damn it. You both got real quiet on me. Thanks. <laughs> you made us hang me no, out I'm, here, I mean, guys. Just hang out. No, I'm si I mean, I'm sifting through. Well, you know, the Sparta Bay things, and I'm sort of sifting through, you know, the things I'm doing with Robin Ader, the artiste strip, and, you know, they're not like, you know, really, they're not they're not takeoffs on other things. They're not my version of right. um, this or that. And I, I, I've seen people do that. Well, this is how I would do such and such. And I mean, I wouldn't know. I, well, I guess if I got a Bible for Ursula, I could write an Ursula story. But until I see some stuff growing with her and I see what this character's makeup is, I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't know what to do with her, what yeah. she does, and what you think she should move and, you know, move the story along and stuff. Right. And I've had people do that with one of the other things that I, I mean, the other strips, whatever stories that I did. You know, and this, again, this is back in the comic book days in my comic book store. He came back with all these stories, trying to tell, started telling me stories about my own characters. Then it's like, no, that has nothing to do. Uh, here, I said, here, you know, go write your own exactly. because that's not that's not anything like what, you know. And 
I, I applaud people's creativity, but um, don't if I if I haven't given you license to, I really don't want to hear your Ursula stories. God, I don't, damn I mean, I don't it! Know. All Not right, really. I'll show really. it. I had this killer I did Ursula. Too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but basically, that was a person yeah. he wanted to write stories, and he was sort of using your vehicle for his stories. Right. And that's not cool. Right. Go create it, your own vehicle right. and have fun. And it had taken a tangent, and uh-huh. it, and it, it had the possibility of being something unique, but um, he had to. He was at the, at that. Well, I mean, I, I like again, I applaud people getting really creative. Um. So, that's, and you know, I'm about encouragement and stuff. Even back then, so, you know, do that. Work on your stuff, and he and he ended up doing his own stuff, but. Cool. Uh, and writing his own things, it had nothing. Ended up not being anything like what he had proposed to me about my uh, RPM strip. But, um, but still, there there wasn't a history for him to tie into, and that was the whole thing. He was just looking at the the characters and jumping. Right. And you know, no, because no, and you know, to be honest, for a long time I didn't let. After that, I just didn't. I didn't make a backstory for for those characters. I knew it, but I didn't put it out there because I, you know, I was working on. That's when I was doing my uh, my my uh, John remembers Amalgam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was doing that stuff, and uh, I was teaming up with other people, just doing com, you know, little mini comics, mm-hmm. and um, and th- that was the whole exercise was collaboration with other people and doing stuff and, and all that. But yeah, I mean, again, I, I applaud that, that energy, that creative energy, but you know, at, at that time it was almost like stepping on my toes because it was sort of it's like, well, this is what happens with no, 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 yeah. no, it's not. I've had that happen. So yeah, you probably did it with blood and roses, didn't you? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. Right. Uh huh. Right. I know. No, actually, um, somebody came in with the camera forever and was wanting to run it a whole different way, and I'm like, uh, no, that's not the story. So go, go, yeah. go, write your own. It's a cool concept, but I don't want to hear it no more. And go have fun with it. You know? Call it Camelot. Exactly. Um, so cool. Yeah. Uh, man, we've been all over the place. Rebuilding origins, numbering, and uh, stealing our own concepts. Uh, <laughs> this, this has been good. Mm-hmm. Um, At least we're thorough. Yes, we are. And this is podcast 53, which is a 53. new year for us. Yes. Yep. Awesome. Um, so, guys, do we want to move yes, right sir. on into catching people up on what's been going on? Sounds like a plan. John, do you know what's been going on over at the uh, sketch at... Uh, blog sketch blog at comicrelated.com i think i may be the only one who does uh, um, now now <laughs> well you know since i put them on oh, there every sure. day i'm i kind of know before everyone else does um well there is a plethora of stuff and uh to be honest um i don't remember where we stopped last so i'll just keep rambling until <laughs> someone says shut up um most recently drawing with scotty young um Big Scotty Young fan, love all the Oz books, love his line work. Uh, I could go on about Scotty Young, but I won't. Um, but I found some videos of him dr- actually drawing rather than giving long interviews. Uh, this is Random Guy. Now, hmm. who exactly Random Guy is supposed to be? Who knows? Maybe just a random guy. But he does two fairly uh, good length videos, about 14 minutes altogether. Uh that goes over his process of just drawing a random person. Uh, then I have two... Whoops, I'm going ahead of myself. Um, I have one video on drawing bird or angel-like wings. Um, I mentioned in a, another part of this section where uh, wings are one of the easier ways to uh, give your character a superpower or to give your character a whole different sort of uh, feel to them, depending on what kind of wings they are. Uh, these being angel wings. So um, check that out. Then I have to give, even though it has my name on it, I have to give credit to 
my comic-related partner, uh, Brant Fowler, for this one because on this particular day, my head was exploding. Uh-oh. So uh, he did a thing of Dave Gibbons drawing in Manga Studio. Um, a very a seemingly more and more popular everyday piece of software that uh, people are really getting into. And Dave Gibbons, of course... Uh, the artiste behind Watchmen and many, many other things. So definitely check that out. It's a shorter video, but still very cool. And you get to see him using his Cintiq, which, you know, makes me (laughs) very, very jealous. Uh, Then getting back to the whole wings thing, I have demon wings in this particular one here. Um, Once again, giving the character a certain kind of feel. Uh, Looking a little more, you know, shall we say, demonic. And then um, I have a series of videos on making your own comic. Now, these are just uh, one, two, I think one of them may actually hit. Nope, they're all under two minutes. These are all real quick hits from uh, YouTube's Expert Village section Mm -hmm. that that just tell you the real basics of uh, making comics. Now, they, uh, they are, you know, not always completely correct, but it's definitely... One person's look. So uh, check those out. Then um, I found a unique thing that I've never tried, but it's airbrushing with a Copic marker. I have. So That's yeah, interesting. It's, I, it's an interesting because I, I, I'm actually interested in that. Um, so, uh, you know, having a few Copic markers, that's something I would like to do. Um, but that's uh, that's for a future time, I suppose. <laughs> Um, then creating graphic skin tones, a couple things on creating skin tones. Um, um, actually, nope, just one darn. The other one didn't show anyway. Um, one thing on creating graphic skin tones, uh, the video is just slightly, slightly risque. So, uh, you know, if you are of delicate sensibilities, uh, turn away, turn away. But, um, a pretty cool video for people, especially if you're trying to create skin tones by hands. Then using the ever-elusive Copic Blender mm-hmm. um, that, you know, it took me a while to figure out what the heck that particular thing was for. And then um, doing photorealistic eyes. Now, um, this may not necessarily be a comic thing. Uh, not a lot of comic artists try to go completely photorealistic, but it does happen, so... I uh, want to give people the opportunity for that. And then um, the ever-popular three-point perspective, which uh, still confounds many an artist today. Because, uh, you know, yes. you're you're insane if you actually try to use that in a comic. But um, I think that's there it is. About, and I think that catches yeah, us up, yep, I think the three-point was it. I do remember three-point, yeah. So, cool. Sounds great. Um, the realistic eyes, we're going to have to check that out. I'm always interested yeah, in... You know, how you can give it the glassy look with the highlighting and the shadowing. And, and it's really what it comes down to is proper highlighting and shadowing. So it'd be interesting to see in it. It is a longer video, huh? so, you know, cool. block out some time and okay. some paper. <laughs> yeah. Bill, what's going on at the Sketch Community and Comics Mentor and the Ursula Sketch at Kickstarter? Okay. Um Comic related, again, there's a ton of conversations. I clicked on uh, messages since the last time I uh, checked yesterday, and there was like a dozen. This were you know different people posting their sketches or, or daily sketches kind of thing. Uh, a lot of different things to check out, and uh, and it runs a gamut from TV shows to movies and stuff. A lot of you know Captain America talk and. And some of the things coming up, and including the DC stuff too. So there's there are a lot of things to sort of hook into as far as uh, your fan or your just your um, comics or life related topics. You know, there's a lot of things you can you can talk about or, or uh, comment on on uh, comics mentor. More encouraging stuff again. I mean, I've looked at a couple of portfolio pieces here and there over the last week or given advice on um, 
uh, writers, um, a couple of other different things. Last Monday, um, uh, we had a, a local comics get-together group. We do this every month, the last Monday of the month. And um, Larry Elmore, the fantasy artist, mm -hmm. who doesn't live that really that far away, um, came and visited. Oh, cool. And uh, he's really, I mean, I, I met him like 20 years ago. I, well, it's almost 20 years ago. It was at a Lexington yep. show where you were at. I, we, I was starting it. to do stuff with you, yep. and he was there, yep. and I met him then. But I was also talking about Angel Medina at that show, mm -hmm. and I think Larry Stroman might have been there, he and Bill Reinhold. So he sort of remembered because I started to say the Lexington show. Anyway, the, the cool thing is that after he talked, and he was very open with advice and, and talking about passionate painting and creating and stuff, um, he and I ended up talking in the parking lot for over two hours. Uh, after. Ain't he a talker? Good old Kentucky yeah. boy. Yeah. Yeah, and he, I mean, he knew how it was, and that was cool. He knew that I was in the area, mm -hmm. but we had just never met face-to-face. -face. So yeah. awesome for me. Yeah. I mean, it was it jazzed me up, and I was like, "Yeah, okay." So, um, and he, I'm gonna get some of his Xeroxes and you know be able to ink over cool. them just for fun. Cool. So, but the the chance to um, to go visit or meet up again and just talk, mm -hmm. and that was one of the things. That's one of the the whole things about the comics get together. And I encourage people if you don't if you're missing out on that, find a local group or find a space where even if it's a message board or whatever, where you can talk to other people and share things about creating and writing and maybe bounce ideas off of that kind of thing, or, or talk about what you're doing lately so that every time you come, everybody brings something new maybe, or what you, you know, what you've been working on. And that's, that reinforces that, you know, it's not like it just justifies what you're doing. Like it's a fame thing or a vanity thing. It's, a creative thing and um, I mean to be honest that fired me up just having that that creative talk because we knew people he knew Bo he knew a lot he knew you he knew a lot of other people and uh, he caused us the blue line brothers <laughs> yeah he'll see Mike yeah. and I out and go yeah you all are the blue line brothers right yeah you get some hats and sunglasses or something <laughs> So it was, that was cool for me. Um, so, I, again, I encourage that. Anytime you have a chance to share with other people, even if it's just listening to them talk, because that, in turn, can fire you up uh, to hear, to have that creative vibe going, to have a positive thing going, um, I'm all for it. Ursula Sketchbook, right now, with it's four days left, um, $550 shy of the goal. I am seriously considering relaunching this um, with a longer window. Mm -hmm. And part of that is that since I announced this, I have probably gotten several pieces more than I thought I would. Once colored and inked and everything, will be cool prints. So the, the sketchbook can have the pencils mm -hmm. and the, you know these things can be prints. And it's like... So I, I'm, I'm, that's probably the way I'm going to go, right. to be honest. Okay. And uh, just seriously, and a couple of people have mentioned other things that different people have done. Not that I want to copy off of them, but uh, just to look at. As far as Kickstarter? How, yeah. Well, I, don't, I Kickstarter, think you need to. I mean, the whole thing is looking at what other people's done and been successful with and offered and building upon that. I don't think there's anything yeah. wrong with that at all. Yeah, just reformatting and uh -huh. stuff. And uh, like well, I plugged it on Facebook this week. Yeah, just John did too. John did. So I mean, I think yeah. that's what we've got to play upon, and because we're telling other people how to do this too, learn from our. We've always said learn from our mistakes and learn from our, our successes. I think reaching what you're a little over fifty percent of your goal. Yeah, I take that as a first strike success. That's not bad for the core you got around you. Um, right. I think retweaking it and, and relaunching it is a great concept. Um, 
I know you want it for Chicago, but would it be spot, would it be smarter to take a postcard or something to Chicago and some of the prints and stuff and push the Kickstarter there to get people well, who's walking by your table? I'm not going to Chicago. You're, I'm not going to Chicago. You're not going now? No. Oh, no. I haven't been on, it hasn't been on my schedule for two weeks. Oh, well, I can't keep up with you. Yeah, I know. Well, you're the one I can't. I know. I only do like three shows a year. So I know. Not even that now. But I no, think I mean, it just became a hassle to go. So Mid Ohio right. is my target at this point. Okay. So that that gives me a better window. Right. And uh, do you know anybody going to Chicago? I think it would be good if some of the creators or something going is to get them a flyer or something and let them push the Kickstarter. Actually, Larry's going. Okay. Larry's going to be. Larry Elmore's going to be a guest. So oh, cool. There's yeah. probably more. Uh-huh. Need look at oh, yeah. artist artist list is and I mean yeah. I'll be up here at the Cincinnati show in September. Uh, yeah, me too. Where, when is Mid Ohio Con? Uh, give me October. a second, I can tell you. October. It's October something. Uh, hang on. I want to say twentieth, twenty first through the twenty third, maybe. So. I'm guessing. Let, yeah. let me get back to comic related, and I can tell you. Uh, Cincinnati, September seventeenth. I can tell you. Right. That. Yeah. Definitively, um, because there's an ad right on the front. But yeah, I saw that conventions page. Um, come on, scroll down. Go to comic related conventions. Page. Go to comicrelated.com/slash/conventions. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, Mid Ohio is October twenty second and twenty third. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So I could plug that thing at Cincinnati easily. Mm-hmm. Too. So, I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Get out, get as many people out there as you can to promote the project, to get the word out, and hopefully get the support out there. So, yeah, and other people have picked up. I mean, Darren posted it, mm-hmm. and uh, Jackie shared the link, and yep. uh, a couple other people shared it off of Jackie and uh, Darren, and cool. just you know, it's it becomes infectious. But that's what I was hoping when I plugged it. Right, when I pointed it out to right. a few people. So good. So good. Yeah, and and like I said, I, part of the reason, part just like doing other things, sometimes I'll just launch into something because I want to figure things out for myself too. Right. Because I tend to get not overwhelmed, but there's a whole set of uh, learning skills or learning parameters that I gotta, you know, and, and I just like at work or wherever, I don't like to be just things, you know, to just dumped on me. And some things I have to learn by, you know, almost my own mistakes in a way, but, or the process of learning, I have to sort of, some of it has to be by osmosis, some of it has to be trial and error. Right. And then I can turn around and tell other people, because I talked to a few people at Derby City about Kickstarter, mm-hmm. um, about their own Kickstarter too, because I met a couple of guys who, uh, Bill Hood and uh, AJ, mm-hmm. uh, who does, um, Paleo pals, a couple of those guys. I've got to meet them, and the, so there are other cool projects out there. And uh, I just want this to be one of them. And again, I can turn around and pass along what works, what doesn't, hopefully. Right. And um, you know, I just have a better shot at doing could because as as this has gone on, and I keep getting these cool things, the actual sketchbook has become almost more of a not not just a little uh, throwaway thing in a way but more of a something with more substance right. and, it's, and it's continued to grow that way so this actually will end up working better for the whole thing for me cool. so yes it buys me more time Woo. oh um <laughs> Or or that okay. <laughs> to now, build the now. Ursula graphic novel. <laughs> yes. Um. Cool. Um. Let's see. Was that it? Bill. Yeah. Cool. That's that's it for me. Um. Uh, me. I probably need some comic mentoring this week. Um. I come out of a small family trip this weekend. Very burnt out. Very. I should have never looked at Google quantities and or or, or numbers, and I did. And Darn you, Google. I, it was very disappointing in what we're pulling on the Claysway strip. So disappointing that I just, I had many, many, many things on my plate. And because of that, I was able to mentally push it 
push the Clay'sway strips back and say, you know what? There's so few people reading it, and these things have to be done. They're more important, and that's not the way to look at things, and that's a mistake, yeah. and that's stupid, and I know. But well, it's not stupid. No, but it's, but stupid. It, it, it's, it's self-defeating, and I yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about because you can. It maybe in your mind's eye or whatever, you think that it's going along at this clip, but in reality, it's not as, you know, clippy as you wanted it to be. And but it, you can give up on something easily by thinking nobody's going to care, and really they do. Right. And you of all people know that sixty can become six hundred or six thousand if you get the right break. And I think that's what it is. I've got to refocus. And I made a, I made a post on the Clay'sway site saying, you know what, this is just not getting it. And that's it's a basic jest of the post. And um, I'm going to start majorly posting on the site as far as making posts below the strip uh, several times a week. And Katie drag out the resources and kick me in the butt and says, start getting those resources online. So I'm going to get update the resources majorly. Um, I've got enough strips to fill up the next three weeks. And school is starting. And, yeah, so, well, the, we've already started writing back-to-school stuff. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I've got some story strips to go with back-to-school. And it, it, it's, uh, we enjoy, the thing is, the artwork on the strips, Bill, your storyline there, the Salad Wars, has been some of the best artwork on the strip to date. Mm. Uh, the characters are really gelling for uh, the art looks great, so I'm looking forward to it. I've got two more guest strips from Steve Staglin that just came in. Um, they look great, so I've got enough to post up for the next three weeks. Um, what that's going to do is give me a breather. Give me, uh, I'm leaving for a week, so that's going to tie me up. But give me some writing time and uh, get get ahead. I need to get ahead on it, not always be traveling behind. And that's something you fall into these these free online strips you start falling behind and all of a sudden you can justify not getting it out and that's what i did this week and that's not right it was a screw up on my part um you know what i did instead and it should have been along with was sketch 41 went to the printers this week it's done been a long time in coming but it's done so it got wrapped up um had to move a whole bunch of office furniture and stuff had to be out by the first no questions asked. No, I'm in the middle of that. I got to go work on Saturday. For, so all these things coming down, to, the strips are still sitting here waiting to be wrapped up. So um, not the way to think about it. I'm going to be working a lot this weekend on those to get ahead. There will be a strip up Monday. And uh, I, I think what I've got to do is refocus on getting the readers. You know, we're over 80 strips we're mm-hmm. 10 months old or something like that, 9 or 10 months old. Now I need to go out and reach the audience. The audience, unfortunately, isn't the guys we're talking to now, even though please go read it, Um The audience is more that person who's involved with either has kids, um, like kids, humor, um, dyslexia, ADHD. You know, you guys heard me talk about it. So I've got to reach out to some of those type of podcasts and blogs and stuff and see if I get that because the one time we got a write-up on totally ADD's newsletter we did a strip for him man our hits skyrocketed that day straight up there we didn't keep them so we got to look at how do we keep them we're not going to make every strip an ADHD and dyslexia strip that's not real life ADHD and dyslexia fits within your life causes things so but we got to have more of those spikes because hopefully we'll start keeping people with those spikes. So that's sort of where my focus will be when I get back is how to reach out more with this strip and uh, get it going. Um, that's my beat myself up. Um, like I said, Sketch 41's off. Bill and I will start rap- working on Sketch 42, which is the second part of the Alex Ross interview. Um, I've already got Jackie online to do a four-page story, and uh, we should wrap that up pretty quickly, actually. I, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I sort of said that with 41. Look how long it's taken. But we seem to be getting it on track, so I'm, I'm pumped. Um, 
I'm going to go ahead and mention something we're, we're working on. It won't launch until the end of September. But um, we're currently working on what we're calling right now Sketch Magazine Backstage Pass. Um, it's going to be all the bills and whistles that artists or comic book creators, not just artists, I think will really, really enjoy having at their fingertips. Um, it's going to be packed. I just can't go over it all, but you know, there's going to be from videos and how-tos to uh, audios of interviews and, of course, podcasts like this to live radio shows to a live chat room to a community to a community built much like um, deviant art where you can build a portfolio you can put your own how-to's on you can open that up to the public but this is a closed private site it is going to be a pay for site and what i mean is there'll be a subscription for it but what that does, it keeps the people who wants to cause trouble, and believe me, they're out there. I've seen them on other boards. We've had some on our boards over the years, huh, guys? Mm -hmm. um, out. Because they don't like paying money to come in and cause trouble. And if they do, we can track them down and ban their IPs, and they're gone. So that's all doable, and that's the reason. I want a, a site to continue to grow, but by making it a, a small subscription site, we could create exclusive materials, pack it full. I've got free fonts, free digital screen tones. I've got downloads. It's just there's going to be so many things for people to dive into, and, and and we'll be able to grow and add and build more live radio shows with it. So it's going to be a really really cool place to be. Um, but and I even told you guys this. One thing we came up with because we want to talk to a core group is it's going to be a limited subscription we know approximately how many people we want involved so at some point in time we will cut it off we won't be accepting any new subscribers so there's once we announce this we'll announce it we're hoping for an end of September release the programmers tell me they can have it ready um, it's a lot of key stuff to put together. So, um, but we'll, we'll, of course, we'll talk more about it on the podcast as it gets closer and closer and letting people know about it. But it, it's it, it's going to be very cool. I think everybody should go out and at least check it out and see if it fits within what they're looking for for something like this. Um, I think I know a lot of talent. I know a lot of creators in the field. They'll be hanging out there. So it's going to be a great way to really, you know, brush elbows and chat with some of the, the people in the industry. So be watching for it. It's Backstage Pass, Sketch Magazine. So um, sort of where a lot of my attention's been here recently. So, all right, guys, that's it for me. John, how can they reach you? I can be reached at sketchmagazine.net. You sure about that? Uh, maybe. <laughs> or alternatively at john at comicrelated.com. Bill, how can they reach you? They can write me directly at comicsmentor at gmail.com. Cool. Or you can reach all three of us. It does work. At podcast at sketchmagazine.net. Guys, I appreciate it. It's been a good one. Let's do a whole other okay. year. Woo. Absolutely. Okay.